And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. For the win! Zerline's kick! Is it long enough? It is into the net for the victory! And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) (laughs) Only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them, Cowboys, indeed. Well, we nearly had an absolute clinic in clock mismanagement from uh, Moonwalking Mike near the end of that one, but uh, Greg the Leg would not let that happen this time as he puts Dallas on top as time expires to keep your Dallas Cowboys from that dreaded 0-2 hole to start the season. So we're here to discuss it all on another post-game reaction edition of About Them Cowboys, courtesy of the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison. Producing and reminding you that this episode is presented by Visa. Visa is the network working for everyone. KT, I took the three-point spread, but I took it for uh, for for the Chargers and uh, ended up Dallas ended up being Dallas uh, by three this time. Yeah, I was the only one who picked the Cowboys, um, and then and then Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot, so I think internally I kind of switched my pick. John is live at SoFi Stadium. Father John Mashota. Uh, I, I mean, there's a million angles we could have, and I know we only probably have you for a, for a short time. Your immediate thoughts on what just went down out there in L.A.? I hate to be negative, but that last, the only to not get off another play with that 30 seconds, it just stands out to me a lot because, again, the goal, this is not like an up-and-coming team that, like, you know, maybe it'll be good in two or three years. Like, this is a win now, compete in the playoffs, possibly get hot, and make a Super Bowl run type team. And you just can't have errors like that, uh, clock mismanagement like that late in the game. To settle for a 56-yarder out of any kicker, much less the in- inconsistencies that Greg Zerline had a week ago, it just it's a really risky thing to then all of a sudden, if, if they miss that, then they're going in overtime and then anything can happen. Uh, for as well as they played to not have gotten this win, would have been, it would have been really it would have been more than just knowing to start. It, that, would have been, that would have been a tough way to have to fly back home and then obviously you go into Monday night. But, hey, it, it all worked out for them. Uh, Zerline, you know, took the blame last, last week for that loss after missing those two field goals and extra point. And then he comes through and he's the hero of this game with a 56 yarder. Uh, but just a really exciting game for 2017. I mean, I really thought this game was gonna be like the first one to 35 wins and the way it was going early on, it looked like that would be the case, but, uh, in all in all, you, I mean, you gotta be happy that you get a win, not only to not start 0 and 2, but. I think this Chargers seems pretty good, and I think that they got a chance to be even better. And then you win at their place. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys got to feel good ab- about this one. And certainly in talking to players after the game, uh, you know, that's absolutely the case. That I mean, the, the difference between 1-1 one and 0-2 one and oh and is really, really significant for, for just the team psyche and just practicing and getting ready for the next week. You know, Dalton, uh, I want to see where you kind of stand on that because there's, there's one thing that I think the Cowboys did. John talked about some of the things that happened during the game. But I thought – the coaching during the week in preparation 
really propelled the Cowboys here with Dan Quinn going to Micah Parsons, and that was effective. Micah Parsons was huge as a defensive end, and I thought Kellen was incredible. Again, adjusting, working in Tony Pollard, finding a way to maybe play a more unconventional Cowboys style, because I still think you probably see the Cowboys wanting to throw more than, than maybe they did. They were a little more balanced, but really saying, you know what, we don't have to run Zeke into the ground. Might be more explosive with Tony. I, I thought their preparation during the week kind of almost makes up for some of the in-game stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I was actually surprised to see that Micah was there as a defensive end with his hand in the dirt the entire time. I thought that they would continue to use him in a stand-up pass rushing role. They would move him around the defensive line a little bit, and they really didn't do that, and I was surprised, but I, I felt like he was really good in that role. When it comes to the offense, man, and, and John was talking about it being a first one to 35 type of game, and, and that's kind of what I thought it would be as well, and it ended up not being that way, but I don't think it had to do with the offenses or defenses. I think it just had to do with drives getting killed by penalties because I felt like both teams were just really killed by penalties throughout this game, and I felt like the refs were, were bad on both sides. I didn't think it was just Dallas. I didn't think it was just LA, um, but some crucial ones at, in big times like the Cowboys fourth down. Asante Samuel Jr. had what I thought was a blatant defensive pass interference. I really didn't think that Jerron Curse did all that much outside of the little tug that he had on his interception. So it was an exciting game because it felt like a 35 to, to 31 type of game and not 17 to, to 20. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, winning is all that matters. The Cowboys are 1-1 one and, one and not 0-2 right now. One other thing was that before halftime, um, I just don't get how you can explain going after the punter there. There's just, you got two minutes to go. Let Dak and your offense take you down the field to send Azur Kamara. I mean, that just, what, what, when's the last time the Cowboys even blocked a punt? I mean, there's just so much risk in that. Just let them punt the football and let your offense get out there. Um, Mike, Mike McCarthy said after the game that the design on that play was to basically kind of, push their personal protector back into their punter to make the, the punt more difficult. That's fine if that was the play call. If you watch it over again, Azur Kamara clearly went in there like he was trying to block that punt. And I, even if whatever it is, you just don't even put the players in that position for that to happen. And, and that was just a situation there where if this is a loss, we're looking back on that like, what is going on over there? I mean, the coaching on, on something like that has just got to be, it just got to be better. I know it's early in the season, but it just, you can't, you can't be that you can't be that risky that early in a game like this and a game that they really needed to have. Um, but other than that, I'm not, I'm done. Uh, I, those are the two plays oh. I want to point out. There were the negatives. I will say Micah Parsons surprised me with how well he did as an edge rusher. I did not think that he was going to be able to do that at, at a very high level uh, going from playing a, as, as a, as a standup linebacker. And then the other thing is too, is when he was warming up, he was warming up with the linebackers. Like when I'm talking like the warm up when the jerseys are on, not the pre-pre-warm-up when you just get out there to kind of get loose. He was working with the edge rushers there. But when he was back out, when, when, the, when the teams were warming up, like about 30 minutes before the game, he was all linebacker stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to be used like how he has been used. But to use him there, at first I was a little, I didn't love it because it's like, okay, so you move him up there, but that just means more snaps for Jalen Smith. And I didn't absolutely love that idea. But uh, Jalen had some plays. Leighton Vanderush, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, stepping up in those situations. So for all things considered, not having Randy Gregory, not having Demarcus Lawrence, I agree with you guys, the game plan going in, uh, it was it was pretty good. You know, it's about, you can nitpick a football game, a 60-minute football game, a ton, right? I do want to yeah. say this, on the Bones thing real quick, 
I mean, this is our 18th game breaking down a Cowboys game right after it happens. And it feels like after about 10 to 12 of those, we are going, what in the world were they doing? Why did that happen? At least once. Uh, and there's been some good it's, things with special teams since Bones has been here too. But that was egregious because everything you wanted was set up for you to score before the half again. The Chargers, to that point, really hadn't stopped you. I mean, Dak had thrown that interception uh, in the first half, but they really hadn't stopped you. You really felt like at that time, even though it was 14-11, to 11, you still felt like the Cowboys were going to score if they had the ball thrown 20. And to do that... It's, it's just that was that was a tough pill to swallow. I just no free no free passes anymore on special teams. I guess is what I'm saying. All right, one more thing I got to bring up to you guys here. Can we believe that the turnovers is like they've really turned the page? Like, can we believe in this? Because I believe there's enough time. So. Yeah, there's like enough I that we've seen so. last year, and then there's enough we saw obviously week one, and then here. I mean, the Demonte KZ interception is as big of a play as any in this game. I feel like following the Cowboys. For as long as we have, you just are kind of like, they're not going to get this. This isn't going to be consistent. They're going to have games like this, but then there's going to be plenty of other games where they're not going to have any turnovers. Like, I'm really starting to think that, like, maybe this is something that you can expect out of this defense. And if that's the case, that can cover up for a lot of other issues. Yeah, you know, for me personally, I I think Trayvon Diggs is that dude. I I just think that he is. And and listen – Trayvon Diggs is going to get beat. We saw that with Keenan Allen today. Trayvon, that's not the type of receiver that he wants. And honestly, I thought that he was going to shadow Mike Williams and work those 50-50 balls. And he did better against Allen than I thought he would. But he's going to be the defensive playmaker no matter what happens, even when he has you know games where he struggles a little bit like tonight. But I, I had a question just because you were there, John. How do you feel about Dak Prescott's performance overall? I mean, other than other than the interception down the middle, which was clearly just like uh, I just thought it was a risky throw for if you're going off of where the momentum was in the game. Uh, everything was just in the Cowboys favor. And I think that you could have managed it a little bit better as opposed to taking that shot there. I just thought it was too risky of a play. I didn't love that throw at all. Um, outside of that, I mean, I, I thought he played pretty good. Also factoring in not having Lyle Collins. You know, I mean, obviously we can talk about Terrence Steele too. I thought he played a lot better than I think anybody was expecting, especially with Joey Bosa being a guy who was going against a lot. But Dak, I mean, just like week one, took a lot of big hits that, you know, not just sacks, but obviously getting hit after he threw. So for the most part, I guess just kind of looking at it right after the game, I, I didn't think that he, I didn't think he played bad. He didn't play as well as he did in week one, but, you know, I, th- I thought he's pretty good. Yeah, and I, I think he never really was able to get into a rhythm like he was against Tampa Bay where you're flinging it twice as much as you were tonight. Um, and what you said about Terrence Steele, I think that deserves a little bit of credit too. I mean, they they wanted to – they said that he had gotten stronger and things like that, and he was pretty good. You know, Bosa got to him a little bit at the end, and, you know, that was a tough assignment for him. You know, so we all we all that – and he the fact that Bosa didn't completely wreck the game – is a victory on that matchup right there. One thing I'll say about Dak, because I think Dak and and I think Herbert, you know, I, I think Herbert's a really good player. I thought there were three throws that Herbert didn't make that really made a difference in both ga- and both this week and last week's game against Washington. I mean, he had two red zone interceptions against Washington. And then that one with Casey, I mean, that was a bad throw by him. Um, there was a throw where, you know, on the TV broadcast, they, they were giving Jalen a lot of credit for, on his coverage. But he underthrew Jared Cook. And if Herbert leads Jared Cook, that, that's a touchdown. And then there's one where he decided to throw it to the small of Anthony Brown's back when Anthony Brown was covering Mike Williams. It's like, dude, Mike Williams is Godzilla. 
throw it up where he can catch it in the air. I thought those th- were three really bad throws, but you add into that the sack uh, in the grasp on second down, which should have been an incomplete pass. Could Here's my question. Could the Chargers but, not but have challenged that? that? Would, but wouldn't that have been grounding, even if – because he was out of the pocket, but it was never going to get back, back to the line of scrimmage. I don't know if anybody was around either. I was, yeah, maybe it might have been, and maybe they were told that, you know, because I, I thought that's that was a big enough play to challenge. And I set up a third goal at the ten, you know. I thought the call was terrible. Yes, but, I did too. Uh, but I mean, the same thing kind of happened in the the Seattle game with with Russ at the the one yard line too, where he tried to throw it, and yeah. you know, that that one I thought they called correctly because he got spun around. But this one, man, he just he was going back on his own trying to make a play. It was that was. The Cowboys money got bailed out by that one a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's a makeup call for that uh, that uh, pass interference that they didn't call earlier in, in the game. I don't know. Uh, it is. It was wild because, I mean, for one, Herbert's just fun to watch because, and, and part of the reason you're going to get a couple of those bad throws because there's literally not a throw that's ever been thrown that he can't make, and so he's always going to try and fit a ball in a tight window, uh, and most of the time it, it's successful for him. Um, Hold on, guys. Sorry here. I apologize. No, you're uh, fine. I had to go outside the press box uh, because everybody's working. They're, uh, and, uh, they're moving over to the Rams field now. You oh, know? man. So, so much work going down at SoFi. We've had some people have had a few cocktails walking by me here. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, LeBron James was here. Connor McGregor. Post, posting, I mean, Post Malone was hanging out with uh, Connor and Jerry. Can you imagine let, that conversation? L- let me also say this real quick. I know everybody <laughs> sits there. I know everybody sits there and is always like, well, yeah, there's Cowboys fans at every game. But I'm telling you. It was loud in here today. Like this was a lot of Cowboys, and I, I think we expected that just because of it being in California, the Chargers not having a huge fan base in LA. Uh, but there's no question it made an impact on this game. I mean, there's no question, and it's the first road game I've ever Cowboys road game I've ever been to, where when the home team ran out onto the field for pregame warmups, you could hear the boos like from yeah. all the Cowboys fans. Like it was, I was, I was like really stunned by that. So. The atmosphere was great for the Cowboys. This was certainly not a road game at all, and, and especially how loud the Cowboys fans got on some of these last couple of series that, that Herbert and the Chargers had. There's just no question that it had some somewhat of an impact uh, uh, in this game for sure. John Zeke, 16 carries for 71 yards. Tony Pollard, 13 carries for 109 yards. Do we have a running back contra- uh, controversy on our hands? As, as long as Ezekiel Elliott's healthy, there, there won't be. Um, but you do have to feel really good about the possibility that, I mean, Zeke's been banged up multiple times over the last few years that you certainly have a capable back that you can play behind him, but you also have a capable back that you need to be getting on the field at the same time as him and a guy that needs to be doing the exact same thing they did today where there's certain series, this is a Tony Pollard series, and getting him out there, establishing him. Uh, they just, I mean, hey, as, as much as it hurts them to lose Michael Gallup, it, it's weird to say this, but it's that's an area they can kind of afford because they're not short on weapons. And, and, and Tony Pollard is just another example of that. But you bring up a good point, KT, because that's certainly going to be a storyline coming out of this game just because it, you can kind of compare the two of them pretty well uh, down to the point where even in the press box, you know, we were talking about at the end of the first half, there's going to be people that are talking, would Tony Pollard have scored on that if CeeDee Lamb pitched to Tony Pollard as opposed to Zeke, you know, just because... Tony seems like he's a little bit, I'm talking about that very last play of the half, the trick play that you're just like, oh my God, that thing almost went. Um, But no, Tony Pollard was great today, but Kellen Moore, he's just, 
he's not going to ever, they're not going to ever switch unless it would have to be a significant drop off. Or like I said, if Zeke was hurt, but as long as, as long as thing, as long as he's healthy, Zeke's, Zeke's the lead back on this team. Okay. Is it not a significant drop off? Because uh, I'm going to go to our good friend, Bobby Belt, who's you know lighting up Twitter with this stat, John. Oh, he, touches. Oh, he's, oh, he's been texting me about this. Go on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 10 yard, uh, 10 yard plays. Tony Pollard had five. Zeke had two. Carries of one yard or fewer. Zeke had six. Tony Pollard had zero. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. If you did one of those things where you're like running back A, running back B, like there's no question that he had the better game. And there's, I mean, there's no doubting that. I'm, I have no argument with that. Did he I have just, a better season last year? Uh, I mean, and I know, I know, we're talking about a small sample size with Tony, but right, he was the more explosive runner last year. Yeah, I'm. I'm just telling you from a cowboy standpoint, it's not yeah. gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. Zeke is just too big of a part of the team. Uh, they're not gonna ever make it where Tony's the starter and then Zeke's backing him up or Zeke's spelling him. As long as Zeke's healthy, Zeke's gonna be the guy. You look at the uh, the distribution of carries. Uh, it was Elliott sixteen rushes, Pollard thirteen. You know, I think that's what they want. They want that even balance that um, you know they can punch you with Zeke and then hit you with Tony Pollard the next play. I think that's ideally how the Cowboys look at um, them winning this year. You know, Ezekiel Elliott is still a threat to teams. When teams plan for the week, they still have to, uh, um, you know, account for Ezekiel Elliott and what he's capable of. So I still think it's a value for Zeke to be their guy, but I think Tony Pollard coming on, it can only help the Cowboys going forward. But yeah, I mean, if they can get 15 and 15 from each of those guys... That's ideal. I think it's that way like with the receivers as well. I mean, today, CeeDee Lamb, eight catches for 81 yards. Amari Cooper only had three catches. And that was a concerted effort by uh, the Chargers to kind of shut down Cooper. So, so CeeDee Lamb is going to be more of an option, it felt like. And real quick, I just want to say, uh, so Amari Cooper, I thought he got poked in the eye because he immediately like, grabbed his face mask when he went down there uh, oh. with the last few plays. It's a rib injury. Uh, the Cowboys didn't have an update right after, immediately after the game. But I'll just say from watching him on the sideline right after that happened, if it's something like that that is generally pretty significant or a lot of pain, at the very least, the player is going to go to that blue medical tent, if not leave the field and go you know, into the locker room. And that never even happened. As soon as he got on the sideline, uh, you know, he, he didn't even go sit back by the benches with, with the, any of the athletic trainers. He stood on the sideline, had his helmet on, and looked like he was ready to go back in the game. Um, but obviously, you know, there's 30 seconds to go in the game. They don't get off another play and end up kicking 56 yard field goal. So they didn't need them, but, um, we'll have to, we'll have to keep you updated on that one. Cause as of right now, it was a rib injury is what they're saying. Yeah. Well, you should talk about it. Even though the Cowboys won, we do need to talk about the clock management thing at the end in specific. And, and what you're talking about takes us there because that's where Amari Cooper got hurt. The Cowboys were forced to take that timeout with 36 seconds left. So they've got a timeout and a full commercial break. Uh, because CBS was trying to stretch things a little bit, or they had inventory left, so you got a big commercial break. You have time to kind of talk about what your plan is. Um, then they go with the handoff to Tony Pollard. He gets about three yards, and you've got a third and short, and they end up being unable to run another play. What was McCarthy's explanation in the press conference? And, uh, you know, what could they have done better? Because that's obviously... Things like that will get you beat. Didn't happen today, but things like that will eventually get you beat. There, there wasn't, there wasn't a great explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just, it worked, even, didn't it? Why do I need to explain? We won the game. He was, 
Yeah, he was pretty happy that they had won, but it wasn't it wasn't a great explanation. Uh, he had mentioned uh, uh, something about not being able to see one of the clocks. Uh, there were just what? a lot of things there that just didn't. Oh my it didn't, gosh! It wasn't it wasn't a great explanation <laughs> oh, for that. And, and to be honest with you, it's not just on Mike McCarthy. There's other people involved that need to be saying like, "Hey, we need, we need to get another playoff here at the very least to get five more yards, something to you know run another route." Like I think they ran one to uh, Cedric Wilson. It was he was able to get out of bounds real quick. You know, pick up eight or nine yards, something like that. S- sit there and and settle for a 56 yarder. I mean, I, I know they're happy they won, but there's just really no excuses for that. I mean, especially at the NFL level, there's really not many excuses for that. That happened in a high school game. No. And especially coming out of that long timeout where you have time to talk about like, Hey, this is the play we're going to run. Now it's a run with Tony Pollard. You, you can't expect it to go for 35. So you, you expect it to go for a couple yards and to have the clock continue to go. You should have a second play already lined up, get up to the line and get more yards. Like you said, John, try to get out of bounds, get an easy completion, just move the ball a little bit. Even if you have to do it, you have another timeout left to take. Don't just let the clock run and let it get down to four seconds and not being able to see a clock is a crock excuse. They they won't admit this, but I wonder if there's a little PTSD from last week where it's like they're just so focused on not leaving any time for the other quarterback to try and have any, like even for one play to try and get them in a field goal range. It was like, I think they were so focused, whether that be the players, the coaches, they were so focused on whenever they're going to kick this field goal, it's going to go through the uprights at zero that that's probably, that probably factored in their mind more than it needed to and more than it should have. I, I understand that, but it was, it became very clear, obvious a few seconds after that Tony Pollard handoff that the Chargers were playing for the Cowboys to screw it up. Because the Chargers would have started burning their timeouts at some point. And this is where – this is uh, it's like the weekly segment, the unintentional dogpiling of McCarthy, but here it comes. Like, I don't really know – this is my whole issue with like, is he in charge of that? Is Kellen, who's got direct access to Dak? On Twitter, I put out a tweet saying, hey, Dak's got to be better in that position. I mean, Dak's $40 million quarterback guy now. Hey, Dak's got to show a little urgency and have a, have a plan there and know what to do. Uh, you know, in a pinch. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of things that come into play there, but in the end it goes to a chain of command and a chain of communication that is not really always clear. And that goes to the special teams coach. And that goes to, is is Kellen com- uh, talking to Dak directly in his headset? Then that's on Kellen then right there. And McCarthy's got to tell him, like, the plan's got to be very clear when you had a full commercial break to, to figure it out. Like, I just, I just, it's, it's just so bad. And it, it, this is what I worried about because I've seen it. I've seen it. I yeah. worried about those types of I, things. That, that's the part of the game that, the part of the game that I liked about McCarthy more than Garrett was the idea of he wanted to go score 30 and 40 points. I really felt like he wants to do that a lot. He wants to go win by two scores and things like that. The thing that I didn't really like about the hire was you, I didn't never think you were taking a game management step forward. And well, we kind of saw it today. Even well, though he won. And you did see it today because I can give you another example of it. They're super aggressive. They're more aggressive offensively. There's no question about that than they were under the last head coach. And they play on a little bit more. They play a different, more aggressive style in the back end of their defense that allows them to get takeaways that you didn't see with the previous regime. And so there's going to be good and bad that you're going to take from it. And with that being said, there's a lot of people that are listening to this. It'll say, well, why should there just be a trade-off? Like, aren't we getting a coach that he won a Super Bowl 
And that's the expectation. Like, why is it being compared to the last coach where that clearly didn't work? And we know that. So we're, we're, we were hoping for upgrades all across the board. Well, you know, that, that remains to be seen if that's the case. But those are the two things that if someone was to ask me to compare the two regimes, I would say that so far from what I've seen, the, 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 the two biggest positives with Mike McCarthy and his staff is that they're, they're a lot more aggressive and they seem to have a knack for taking the ball away. But some of these special teams decisions, some of the risks that they take there, uh, some of the game management stuff, I mean, it just it leaves a lot to be desired. John, we're going to set you free. Would you like to have your uh, your parting shots before you head to the airport and get on out of there? Was there any doubt, John, that you, that Greg was going to make that kick at the end? You knew it was going in, right? I knew it was going in. Well, so I because it was it was an important kick. So he always seems to like um, you know let us down and then make up for it in a huge way. Like it's this valleys and peaks kind of thing with the with the Zerline. Well, because he said last week he like took the blame for the loss. I was kind of thinking, you know what, this would be, like, this is how sports works. Like I could just see him making this one, uh, even like a 56 yarder, just because at the end of the day, he does have an impressive resume. He's not just like, I mean, as much as people will sit there and talk about Kai Forbath and Brett Maher, this guy's on a different level than those guys. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, obviously he struggled the first game, but it, that is in his wheelhouse to make kicks like that. And so uh, I, I thought that there was a good chance he would make it. But I, so that I would say half my mind was thinking that the other half of my mind was if he doesn't, this is going to overtime and they're losing. And all we're going to be asking about is how they mismanaged that time yeah. uh, late in the game, but it didn't happen. So my parting shot though, I would just say is that the stadium's awesome. Uh, you know, there's a lot of it that is very similar to AT&T stadium. Uh, but this is certainly worthy of having many Super Bowls like it will. Uh, unlike uh, some other stadiums in the league that continue to get Super Bowls all the time, uh, maybe mainly because of what city they're in, uh, even though they're not the greatest stadiums. But no, this place is awesome, and uh, Cowboys fans should be really proud of Cowboys fans because they made a serious impact in this game. I was really surprised. Like I expected there to be a lot of Cowboys fans. I did not expect them to be as loud into this game. Keep in mind, you know, yeah, it's it's the I think it was three thirty start in Dallas or whatever. This is like the one o'clock game here, you know. And uh, people were loud and into it right from the beginning. And like I said, you might not think that that matters. I'm telling you, it impacted this game today. How was it? Press box food. Solid. AT&T Stadium, though, is probably better. Uh, Just the options, I thought. AT&T Stadium is pretty, uh, it's pretty elite. Like, there's not many that that compare with AT&T. But this is, I mean, this is good, too, though. Don't get me wrong, man. It's, uh, and then obviously the weather's perfect literally every single day. So you, uh, you get used to that. That was the hard-hitting question I know our audience wanted to hear. So, all right, John, we'll see you later, man. Uh, we'll uh, see you next week. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How do you think that makes uh how do you think that makes Jerry feel to go to a stadium like that? I think he loves it, right? Because he made it happen. Like I, I always there's always a little pep in Jerry's step when he's in LA or in California in general. You know, they did the whole thing on the broadcast. He grew up, his childhood home was three blocks away, and he did the whole Hit on NFL on the NFL Network this morning. The same thing he did last year. You know, on opening week, he goes and hangs out in the studio with Rich Eisen and Michael Irvin and puts on a wolf pelt and howls and there's all kinds of <laughs> insanity that happens in L.A. So yeah, yeah I think Jerry loves it. Yeah, because he because he knows he knows too that he was one of the guys who made that happen. If not the most important guy in making, you know, L.A. have two football franchises. Meanwhile, yeah. San Diego fans are like. You like Steve from Blues Clues? You just left us and went up to L.A. Like, yeah, there, there are no Chargers fans for a reason. Their team just left. Yeah, uh, Do you th- I wonder if they made the trip. I would have made the trip if I was San Diego. That would have been probably the game that I would have would have wanted to come to is, is the Cowboys yeah. just to see the just to see because you know I mean the Cowboys practice in Oxnard. Everybody or training training camps in Oxnard. So yeah, they've got a huge probably have more fans in L.A. than the Chargers do. If I was to yeah. say that, you know, straight up, I bet they do. You know, one thing I, I, I would almost guarantee it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, one thing I've been thinking about a lot, because I, it is amazing how similar the Chargers and Cowboys have been, not only like now in the makeup of the rosters, but really the last few years. Um, but but I do view the Chargers as a, play, a playoff team. And I, yeah. I, I personally picked the Cowboys to, to win the division. Uh, I think I think a lot of us felt like the Cowboys are, have a chance to really be the best team in the division. You look at the Cowboys and how they played Tampa Bay, who we all see as a as a contender for sure. And I was kind of thinking about the rest of the division. You have you know Washington and the Giants went and played on Thursday night, and that was a big fist fight. And Daniel Jones looked pretty good. And you saw some of the pitfalls that Washington has if they're going to really go with Heineke full time. Like that's going to be a 
they're going to have some some losses, you know, that are going to be kind of rough. And then you saw Philadelphia had a very competitive game with with San Francisco, but I I for one do not see Philadelphia as a team that's going to score a lot of points this year. I don't think that's going to going to happen. They put up eleven against San Francisco, a good San Francisco defense. Um, I I still. Even if the Cowboys have lost today, I still feel like very confident that they are the best team in this division. And to me, it's not really close. You guys with me on that or no? So, I mean, Philadelphia kind of scares me the most just because I think they have the best quarterback out of the group. And I wasn't ready to say that before the season. Um, but I, I've seen the sample size from Jalen Hurts now uh, through two games plus his, his very brief time in the preseason. And I think that Jalen Hurts looks okay. Their offense doesn't worry me very much because it, it very much looks like passes around the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage and deep shots down the sideline. And I think those are the things that the Dallas Cowboys can kind of handle. It's do they have receivers or an offensive scheme that is going to attack you over the middle of the field? Are they going to run a bunch of play action, attack your linebackers? And I don't see that from that Philadelphia team. What bothers me the most with Philadelphia is that I think that they're plucky. They seem like a team that's going to battle and they really look like they're playing for a guy who was a, a special teams coach at one point. And, and that, like that's that's what it looks like, even though they're not. They're with an offensive guy. It looks to me like the Giants, who should be the, the team that has everything buttoned up, it looks like the Philadelphia Eagles are the team that are going to fight and claw for that, that second spot in the NFC East when I thought that they were going to be the worst team in the division. And part of it is just their defensive line is really, really good. Really yeah. good. And listen, losing Brandon Graham is going to be really, really tough for them, but they still have Cox. Josh Sweat is fantastic. Um, they Hard now have right, yeah, they have Javon Hargrave as well. Like that defensive line is very, very good. So that more than anything is what worries me about Philadelphia. But I, I do agree with you. I think the Cowboys have the best team in the division. How how temporary uh, is this Micah Parsons at defensive end thing? Because in an ideal world, he can go play defensive end for you in a yeah. pinch for 10 snaps. Can, can, um, can, yeah, I mean, we can talk about that. Can we talk about how temporary Mike McCarthy is going to be after this as well? Um, because, <laughs> I mean, I, listen, Tony was talking about it during the game. Kellen's offense looks fantastic. No matter if they only scored 20 points this game, the offense overall looked good. They're going to have to throw all of the money at Kellen to be around after yeah. this year, I think. Yeah. So, I've been thinking about that a lot this week. About And, and Tony about, brought it up during yeah. the game today, and I was just like, oh, I think that like he and Byron Leftwich are, are going to be two of the guys that I think are going to get head coaching offers. And for me, it comes down to, like, is he? are you going to be able to money whip him like you've been able to do with Will McClay? Are you going well, to be able to guarantee that he's going to be because I mean what do you what do you want like if they make the playoffs and don't win a game can you fire McCarthy? That 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 did, that did stand out when Tony mentioned that it reminded me of last year when Troy Aitman kind of said the same thing about Kellen going to Boise State. Uh, it's like okay, these guys who know a lot of stuff are accidentally saying things on TV. Yeah, that's what at least it felt like. Who knows? It yeah. really depends how 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 happy is Kellen and how important is it for him to be a head coach. Does he want to just be, you know, offensive coordinator guy for now? Is he just happy and comfortable and content with that? Because Cowboys will money with him if they need to. Um, I, I, and I think it's very clear. I, I will say, uh, so this isn't a full lap dance for Kellen Moore. I will say, like, 
there was a series in the third quarter that to me was a very pivotal series. They had a second and five. And uh, again, we can nitpick play calls all the time, but they, they got to the point where they were kind of starting to pound away at the Chargers, running the ball a little bit. And then they kind of panicked and it ended up being like a four yard uh, pass, a four, negative four yard pass to CD Lamb. As Dak kind of just threw it to the outside, they got a little cute with the with the uh, swinging gate formation again. I I don't blame I don't blame Kellen for that. You, we we cannot be okay with it working the first time and being oh Kellen that was fantastic, and then the second time when it doesn't work, we we can't get too upset about that because to me that was a Dak Prescott problem. Dak Prescott yeah. needs to throw that ball three yards over C.D. Lamb's head so he cannot catch it because he knew they were not going to be gaining yards there. So for me, that play in itself is more on Dak than it is Kellen. Although those things do play situationally. Once you get into field goal range, do you not want to call the, the trick plays anymore? I mean, it, that that's where it gets I like, know. Wh- how much creativity do we want versus – but, but yeah. what if they just At stall the time, out there just... running the ball too? You know what I mean? It's just the what ifs and the the, the nitpickiness I, I love to do because it gives us topics of conversation to talk about. Yeah. But I'm not going to kill Kellen more for that call. Well, no, no, no. I mean, to me, it's overall it's a blemish on a on a very good game. To me, though, yeah. what had happened is that the Chargers put together about a seven minute drive uh, out of the out of the gate in the second half. And I, I kind of just thought you were at a time where you wanted to give your defense as much time as possible, and you just gashed them for five yards, and you're kind of gashing them a little bit on their ground a little bit at that point. And then, you know, back to Dak. Dak took a sack there on the next play, one in which Terrence still did get beat, and that pushed him out of field goal range. And that becomes a pretty big issue. But, you know, those are those are all things. All right, let's go back to the Micah Parsons thing real quick. Yeah, though. please, like, please. Um, again, like – I, I, I – I'm in the boat of like if he's a defensive end for 10, 10 plays a game or you know something like that. I kind of love that. But now that Demarcus Lawrence and we know Demarcus Lawrence is going to be out for half the year, and you know that you've got depth at linebacker, sort of. I'm comfortable playing him a lot at defensive end, like you did today, because he will win against slower offensive tackles. Now, it's a matchup-oriented thing, and I haven't even done the work to be like, okay, who are we going up against with with the uh, with the Eagles next week? It's uh, it's the the Eagles have, have a couple of pretty good tackles. Um, so yeah, I haven't even done the, that work yet. Like it was it was so evident too. They tried to put him against Slater a couple of times too, and Rashawn Slater was like, no, buddy, if you're not, yeah, that's not gonna work. But I get Storm Norton, Micah Parsons is running around him every time, and there's a play that would have been a touchdown. Parsons got close to Herbert. Herbert had to move to his left and he underthrew Jared Cook. And you're on the broadcast, everyone was raving over Jalen Smith's coverage. And Jalen actually got a hand on the ball and that was good. But, you know, if he leads Jared Cook, that's a touchdown. But the reason he didn't lead Jared Cook is because he was looking at Micah Parsons coming at his face and moving away from Micah Parsons. Like it was such a big play to me in the game, even though it was kind of in the third quarter or maybe it's early fourth quarter. I just, I'm all about if DeMarcus Lawrence is gone, we've got Van Der Esch here. Jalen played a lot today. Maybe we'll see a little more Jabril Cox. Like I'm okay with getting 25 snaps out of Micah Parsons at defensive end if we need to do it. When they drafted him and they talked about using him as an edge rusher, I didn't want or expect this to happen as him just playing as a defensive end. 
but I expected some pass rushing stuff. Now that you lost Demarcus Lawrence, you've seen what you have with Micah Parsons. I say put him out there for the foreseeable foreseeable future. Now, I don't want him to just rush the passer. I think he's not used very well as just a pass rusher from the outside. I think you need to move him up and down the line of scrimmage, allow him to rush through the A gap, through the B gap as a stand-up, you know, linebacker type of player and drop him back into coverage every once in a while as well. Even if it's just if you're going to run cover 0 or you're going to run cover 1 and you're going to blitz guys and you need him to peel off of a running back on a swing pass, use him that way as well. But I I don't think lining him up with his hand in the dirt, rushing the passer with where he's at in his pass rush repertoire right now. I don't think that's going to be his best usage going forward. I think it worked this time because of the matchup, but I don't think it's a long-term option just because, listen, he hasn't played defensive end since high school. And those pass rush moves that worked in high school aren't going to work over a 65 play sample size. You are going to be able to, there are going to be times where you're going to be able to spin off of a guy like he did in the first game, you know, right before the half um, against Tom Brady, where they were trying to push the ball downfield. Brady wasn't able to, but you're not going to be able to do that all of the time against Tristan Wirfs. He's going to beat you on most snaps. So for me, it's use him like that sparingly. Put him in situations where he's going to best be able to succeed and best be able to help out the defense. Because I think if he's able to go in and get interior pressure, like we've seen him be able to do already, he did it in that first game against Tampa as well on a blitz where he was supposed to be playing a game with Demarcus Lawrence so Demarcus Lawrence could could peel inside on a twist. And Michael Parsons was the one that was able to beat Tristan Wirfs and get in for the pressure on Tom Brady. That's the type of usage that I want for him, not just lining up with his hand in the dirt at left defensive end the entire game. And I think we should talk about the safeties for a second, too, because Donovan Wilson was out, and we always gripe about the safeties. Man, Jaron Curse. He's uh, he's Kate, okay. He's okay. He he's makes okay. plays. He, he made a lot of plays today. Again, like he, Anthony Brown's going to get picked on a little bit in these situations. Even Trevon Diggs, after the, first of all, the interception he made was an excellent play. That's what we've been dying to have, someone to go make that play, catch that ball. But, like, he did get picked on a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen still. But, like, I, I thought overall with the secondary, you didn't let one of those guys determine the game. There were times when they kind of were able to get what they want and move up and down the field, and then there were times where they had to struggle for it a little bit, and there wasn't a ton of pass rush at times throughout the game as well, and they're kind of counting on a nine. And when Azur Kamara is getting, you know, fourth quarter, you know, pass rush reps, you know you're pretty thin at the position right now, and that happened. So yeah. I, I thought overall I can't be mad at the secondary for getting a couple of, of turnovers, and really was really overly impressed with the with the safety play considering how thin they are at the position right now. That that pick from Trayvon Diggs reminded me of Stephon Gilmore's pick on Dak Prescott in 2019. Coming across the field, not a bad throw whatsoever, and dude just lays out and makes a fantastic diving play. And that's what you're getting with Trayvon Diggs from now on. I mean, he's going to be that playmaker in the secondary. That's not going to stop, and we're going to have to deal with him being our CB1, at least for the moment. And making massive plays for the defense, but also giving up big plays because there will be times where Trayvon Diggs against guys like Keenan Allen, who can actually, you know, run very, very good crisp routes and create separation where he's going to get beat like he did on that that big play. I forget when it was, but it was the big yeah. long crosser. And you're going to have times like last week where 
you got guys like Tom Brady. They're like, okay, you got Trevon Diggs on that side. We'll just destroy you on the other side. Yep. You know, <laughs> we'll just, we'll figure that out. You know, people are going to try to take Diggs out of the game, you know, and I think he's dynamic enough. And luckily you have Michael Parsons now to mm-hmm. kind of overcome some of that stuff. But, but yeah, it, it was incredible. Um, you know, they kind of took Amari out of the game. Um, that, yep. that was probably definitely on the uh, game plan for, for LA after his game against the Buccaneers, but he was, he was not very effective uh, in the, I mean, he was effective, but he didn't have many yards. I should say that. Um, but go ahead. He had, he had five targets, but then I, I, I look at Dak had 27 pass attempts. So if it's a game like Tampa Bay, let's just double the pass attempt and say he has 54, then Amari probably has 10 targets. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's, 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 a, it's just one of those strange things where the 2016 Cowboys would have wanted to win a game like this today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the 2021 Cowboys want to win this style. I don't think they expect to, to win this style. They don't expect, they don't expect to, win to go yeah. and win and, and to win a game where Dak has zero touchdowns and interception. And, but, but and, they, and they ran, they, they, they won a game where they scored 17 points on the ground and via field goals. That just like, that's not the way they won yeah. anymore. Yeah. And, and, and the game flow called for it. Like the, the, the chargers were basically saying, we know you want to throw it. We're going to have two yeah. safeties back and we're going to ask you guys to run the ball. And the Cowboys did it and they stuck with it. And Kellen deserves, you know, a lot of credit for that. And that's not something that he just came up with on the fly. I mean, they game planned this. There's really good preparation on both sides of the ball uh, during the week. And that's that, that's a key takeaway, I think, that I really look at and go, man, that's good. Because you know, I don't think that was happening last year on the defensive side, at least. You know, I mean, it's kind of willy-nilly. He's got a little bit of a plan. We have a matchup. We know Balaga's not playing. You know, if maybe Brian Balaga plays, maybe Micah Parsons doesn't play as much defensive end today. You know, maybe they saw something there with Storm Norton. Um, from Toledo for the Chargers, like okay, here's someone we can go win with speed right here. So there's there's a few things I I really like that you kind of look at that. But in in the end, like you have to go win a game like that. You need to be able to win games in all kinds of ways. Of course, we know that. It's just uh, I start looking at Dak stats and start looking at numbers, and you're like, ah, I don't know. I mean, Ceedee Lamb still had a big day in the air, but no one had more than five catches. So it's yeah. If you got to win that way, it's fine. I don't think it's the way they they're they're going to win a lot of games. I don't think it's the way they're going to beat the Eagles next week. But you know, we'll talk about that on uh, next week's uh, preview episode, right? Absolutely. My biggest takeaway is Kellen Moore, and I thought about that a yeah. lot this week, and and just thinking about how much he might be the key to Zach Prescott. I mean, it might just be, you know, ever since he kind of came into the picture of calling plays full time, Dak has been able to throw the ball down the field. You know, that was always yeah. a knockdown on him early in his career. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, he can run and he's dual option, but yeah, he has unlocked Dak Prescott. It feels like, and um, it's just awesome to see. And I, you heard Tony Romo say that on the broadcast. Yeah. It's his time to be a head coach. Him and Byron Leftwich would be at the top of the list. I'm sure if you're looking for an offensive minded team in the off season. Uh, and also yeah. it's pretty good to have Zach Martin back. Right. Oh, yeah, that helped yes. a little bit. And not be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line. Because honestly, yeah, outside of Joey Bosa, there's there's not a ton to, to write home about on that defensive line. Uh, Dalton, what are your parting shots? 
my parting shots. Um, I, I wouldn't worry too much about Amari Cooper not having a huge impact on this game. I, I think Brandon Staley's too high was really going to take away that most of the time. And, and when we look at these too high things or too high shell defenses, you're going to see it's middle of the field open. So you're going to see guys like CeeDee Lamb who plays a lot in the slot. You're going to see that be more of a, a in the game plan than it would be the outside guys. This is one of the few games where we really didn't see Dak Prescott push the ball downfield past 20 yards very often. I think it only happened one time. Um, and I think that one time was on the interception. Other than that, there was a couple throws, you know, that were right around the 20 yard mark, but nothing super far down the field. And that just goes to show like these NFL teams, like in the Cowboys are one of them that run cover three. There's so much that can beat cover three deep down the field. And we continue to see that. We, we saw that in Arizona got beat deep a bunch. We, we've seen Tennessee get beat deep a bunch in these single high looks. You know, if you have one guy that's not doing their job or if you have one safety that juts down on a dig route and that corner isn't able to carry the backside post like we see these guys get killed so I think the, the too high shell is something that's going to continue to become a bigger part of the NFL game uh, because it takes away the most important part of an NFL game at this point which is the passing attack um, here's something yeah, yeah here's something to All end right. on via the YouTube comments here that came out near the end uh, what's your opinion on this KT Chargers fan here. This is from Boring Reviews on YouTube. Chargers fan here. No hate, but the Cowboys. No hate to the Cowboys, but please admit the refs hooked up your team today. Is that why the Cowboys well, won? Because the refs screwed the Chargers. It's a, bad a perspective ref. in LA, I guess. Bad refereeing. And that crew is famous for that. Tony Corrente's referee crews are yeah. usually pretty crappy. Yeah, a lot of bad calls. I mean, a, a lot yeah. of bad All calls. And some that some of the Cowboys definitely got away with. So I'm yep. not going to. Yeah. Uh, so way the ball the, the bounces, char- boring reviews. Sorry, that that's uh, we could yeah, look at last week and, and show you where they they didn't go uh, our way. So uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's what happens. But, yeah, it, it happens. It happens, and uh, you know that's the thing with the NFL. Whatever you get reps, mad at the are reps. bad. Nah, reps are bad. We know that they know it too. You know that's why they look to find things like taunting because they get bored. Yeah, um, because so, they can't uh, get the actual their actual job done correctly. So they just add things on to their already impossible job. So the Cowboys are one and one. Washington's one and one. The Giants are zero and two. The Eagles are one and one. And we've got a divisional matchup next Monday night. And before all that, we'll have a preview episode for you coming out Wednesday, maybe Thursday morning for you uh, here on the Athletic. So uh, that's all I got. Cowboys get a big win. They squeak one out, and it doesn't matter how you win. Sometimes you can win ugly. No severe injuries. You know that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, got out of this thing relatively healthy. We'll see how Amari Cooper's injury is. Uh, but it looks like they, they got away pretty good. So the Cowboys 20, Chargers 17. And, uh, you know, we'll do it again. We'll do it again next week because it's a lot of fun. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Dalton Miller, for Father John Machoda, who joined us live from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm KT, and we'll see you uh, next week on About the Cowboys. Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough.